Tabana was an apologist for Socratic Christianity, probably a natus of four Anubis, who lived between the 8th and 9th centuries before Carino, likely in the second reign of Dalamec. Of his writings, only a portion survives from which this fragment is taken. The hearts of all men dwell in the same wilderness. From the Dune Book of Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune Messiah by Frank Herbert and talk about it. Whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. I'm Caleb Pauls. I'm Simon Dowdy. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Woo! All right. With Simon, too. Yeah, we we had to bring back Simon for this chapter. Simon, you're from... uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. So I'm from, thanks, I'm from DuneNewsNet.com, but I'm one of the founders and I'm the main editor and co-host of Dune Talk, kind of a weekly podcast talking about the films and everything that's going on, but, you know, scheduling and stuff like that. So we'll be back to our bi-weekly soon, but if you're a fan of Super 7 Toys, I'm going to hint the next podcast you might want to listen to, especially if you're into collecting toys. Dune toys. Oh, hmm. okay. We got some okay. new Dune, some new Dune toys coming up. Some reaction, a little like vintage-looking figures. So, oh, very cool. some very love cool. for the Lynch movie. Some '84. Nice. Yeah, love it. Well, we had Simon on for um, our introduction to hate episode. Yeah, because Simon, you're a big Duncan fan. You're a you're a Duncan stand. They may say. I am so much so that a Duncan might make a guest appearance. So if you see a pug walking around, a big boy, that is my little Duncan Idaho. <laughs> so there's a Macy. She's a little bit crazy. But, you know, Duncan is the quiet type. And, you know, at first, me and Duncan didn't see eye to eye. I think he's still my fiance's dog more than mine. <laughs> so kind of goes, but sometimes I call him hate. So <laughs> you know. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a big Duncan chapter, so yeah. I had to reach out back to Simon again for this because I mean, this is a, this this is like a what this chapter I'm calling it the activation of the Gola, right? That makes so, sense. Yeah, Evan, you just finished this chapter. What happens in this chapter? Uh, B Jazz just really messes with hate slash Duncan Idaho slash who knows what he what or who he is at this point. Um, that's literally what happens. And like, it makes sense that he would be activating him. I don't think they ever like, they might, they might've said that. I think they did say that like explicitly, but yeah, just B jazz really messing with hate the whole time is really what happened. Yeah. B-Jazz is kind of like a jerk. Like, a especially that's ch- chapter like i like so i went back and reread this chapter earlier today to get ready for the show um as i was drinking coffee out of my stay spicy cup people order your yeah, cup that's amazing. um 
No, but honestly, I was like, I love this character. Like, Beef Jazz doesn't get the love that he should. <laughs> and, like, as I was thinking about it, you know, maybe because I, you know, our show, we talk more about movie stuff. I was like, who would I cast as Beef Jazz? Like, Ooh. Peter Cushion? Cush- uh, not Peter Cushion. Uh, what was the guy's name from Game of Thrones? I know I'm going to get Dinklage. Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. I was like, okay, maybe because I was thinking small people, but I'm like, he can totally perform those lines and like him and Momoa if they do it right this can be like an Oscar winning scene like seeing it yeah we're gonna definitely get to that scene and I don't know how I'm gonna play it we've played it several different ways um, because the B-Jazz is such an interesting character the way he rhymes the way he giggles at certain scenarios that shouldn't be funny and, and we'll get there, obviously, as we get into the chapter. I just want to touch on this quote real quick before okay. we dive in. Um, not a lot is kind of said. It's from Irulan, who's just yeah. quoting ancient history at this point. Um, right. Like, before Carino, in some reign of some emperor somewhere, there is some writer of religions who wrote down somewhere the heart of all men dwell in the same wilderness. That's the key takeaway here. Which, which by itself is uh, some, maybe some good juice. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm underlining as we speak. Well, how do you think this quote applies to this chapter and what's happening with Duncan Idaho and BJS? Oh, who are you asking me or Simon? There's two of us now. I don't, you pick whoever wants it. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Um, I mean, they talked about um, the Tleilaxu like doing, creating custom religions and stuff at one point Mm -hmm. in this chapter. Mm -hmm. So maybe that reference to Tabana has something to do with. That I don't know who who Tabana is, so I have no idea. Um, but it said he was an apologist for Socratic Christianity, which I don't know what that is, but cool. Um, but hmm, the hearts of all men dwell in the same wilderness. I don't know I, that I, I can put words to it, but it feels like it connects to what Duncan is going through right now. You know? Okay. Simon, Simon. do you have any thoughts? I agree. That last line is very much what this chapter is about. Like we said early on, it's Duncan. I hate using the sleeper has awakened line, <laughs> yeah. but it is, it is. It's very much Duncan realizing, Oh, this is my life now. What everything I thought, and we'll talk more about it, especially there's a couple of twists that I think Duncan is, I even actually highlighted under my book and I wrote what like Duncan <laughs> is probably just like, Wait, what are you telling me about Paul? Like, what is he connected to? Like, yeah. where is this coming from? So I think that last line, and poor Erewhon, she has to do something. She has nothing else to do. You know, just reading old texts. Right, yeah. Uh, so I think that last line is very much the whole awakening part of Duncan realizing there is something going on. And the Tuaxus do have their own weird, messed up religion. Yeah. 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 Blitz girl here on YouTube says maybe something like we're all trying to find out who and what we are. 
And I think that kind of hits on that point. Um, and we're going to see this, that BJ's is trying to tap into hate, into the, the Duncan part of him deep down. And if he can touch that part, if he can awaken that part, that Duncan will kind of come out. And which we're going to learn has never happened before. This is going to be, this is an experiment to see if it works. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive into the chapter now. Last time we saw B-Jazz, right before the stone burner went off, um, and Stilgar whisked him away. Stilgar picks him up, just running away with him. Like, me, 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 me. Horrible. <laughs> and so we had to put him straight into prison, because what else is what you do? And right. he did give all the names, or some names, of some of the traitors which led to Corba's trial and right. everything else, right? And so now um, Hate has come to see Bijaz in prison at the order of Muhadib. Hate is to interrogate the dwarf to determine what the Tleilaxu plot is in all of this. Because again, uh, Paul never saw the, the dwarf at all. This is all new. So there's there's got to be a plot. Some He's been hiding. They've been hiding him somehow. So, you're, you're Bijaz, the Goa said. I am called Hate. The dwarf just looked up at him. You are not Hate. You are Duncan Idaho. <laughs> I was put there when they put your dead flesh into the tank. And I was there when they removed it, alive and ready for training. I love right away he tells him, you're Duncan. Like, as soon as he walks in, you know, after I hate stuff, you're Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Right, which is something that, okay, we have to go back to hate. Hate is like wrestling with who he is. We had that chapter with Aaliyah. He's like, he doesn't, he feels like there's everything of Duncan in him. Paul keeps calling him Duncan, but he's like, no, I'm hate. And then I guess the person that you would think, right, the person who made you or the same race or the people that made you, they would understand. And he's like, oh, no, you're Duncan. And that's just got to be a mess tripping with his head. Yeah. So hate just swallowed dryly in his throat. Bijaz was just weird. There was a power beneath the dwarf's mask of cowardice. Hate says why he's here, and at the dwarf, and at that the dwarf just sang. Tleilaxu, Tleilaxu, I'm the Tleilaxu, you dolt. For that matter, so were you. Hate just stares the dwarf down. But Bijaz was just charismatic about the whole thing. Hate then threatens that the dwarf, you know, he th- threatens the dwarf saying that he could call the guards in to strangle him. And the dwarf just says that Hate had become so calloused and questioned if Hate really had come here to seek the truth. Hate is just, he hates everything about this. He says, perhaps I only seek the future. Hmm, well spoken, BJS said. Now we know each other. When two thieves meet, they need no introduction. So, we're thieves? Hate said. What do we steal? Not thieves, but dice, Bejaz said. You came here to read my spots. I, in turn, read yours. And lo, you have two faces. So, so far, I'm just confused about what's happening. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think the two faces are also showing Bejaz kind of hinting you are Duncan, but you're also hate. But, you know, go back and forth between what you're struggling mentally. Yes. And, like, 
I the whole entire thing with BJS just started singing. I was like, <laughs> he's insane. Right. right. Yes. Right. Which is like I got I this chapter specifically, I got like Joker, Heath yes. Ledger Joker vibes mm-hmm. from BJS. Before it was like weird like Oompa Loompa vibes where they're like being silly but also creepy but mostly silly. Like this feels like that, you know, uh yeah, the Heath the Heath Ledger Joker. He's being like real sinister actually, but laughing and singing, you know. I was getting Joker vibes too. Like, yeah, and it could be just B-Jazz putting a shield against himself. I have nothing to lose at this point because if I mess up, I'm dead. Right. Anything I do, I know Paul will come after me, Maldita, and that's over. So why not just totally mess with Duncan and throw him off his game? And he does that at the end of this chapter. Well, the thing is, is like, uh, this is like B-Jazz has come the long way around kind of set up for this moment because he's going to give Duncan something else or hate something else. But yeah, okay. So let's continue here. Hate asked a question he finds himself not wanting to ask. He asked if B-Jazz was really here or he was really there when he was put into the tanks. Because again, Hate is like still trying to figure out who he is in all of this. So it's like, well, did you really see me like go into the tanks and come out? Did I not say it? Bjaz demanded. And at that, the dwarf bounced to his feet. We had a terrific struggle with you. The flesh did not want to come back. Hate all of a sudden felt as if he, as if he existed in a dream. A dream controlled by somebody else's mind. And that at that moment, he might have to overcome the twists and turns of that mind. Bjaz tipped his head to the side and started to walk around the Gola, observing him. Mmm, excitement kindles old patterns in you. You are the pursuer who doesn't want to find what he pursues. Hate swivels his head back to the dwarf, circling him. You're a weapon aimed at Muhadib. Is that what you're here to do? Nothing, Bjaz says, stopping. Hate just continues. Then you're aimed at Aaliyah. Is she your target? They call her Hot, the fish monster on the Outworlds. How is it I hear your blood boiling when you speak of her, BJS said. Okay, I just want to stop here. <laughs> that, um, we don't really get a lot of uh, outworld perception of what's happening with right. Muhadib. Um, and I love that Aaliyah is called the fish monster <laughs> on the outer worlds. Um and I guess, I guess, yeah, we'll get into here what she is exactly here. The goal is just staring at the dwarf, studying his every move to see if he might give something away to what his purpose is. But this dwarf's keep giving odd responses. BJS continues. She is the virgin harlot. She is vulgar, witty, knowledgeable to a depth that terrifies, cruel when she is kind, unthinking when she thinks. And when she seeks to build, she is destructive as a Coriolis storm. And I came here to be captured by the magnetism of her physical beauty. <laughs> Bjaz just grinned widely. His whole face was a smile at this point. So this is the uh, Aaliyah is like every 
female archetype in mythology. Like <laughs> all of them. And on the Outer Worlds, she's like, I guess, the fish monster, which ah, I do, do we have a reference in our own mythology of a fish monster? Like the Leviathan, maybe, or a sea monster that just eats people alive? Like the thing mm-hmm. that, that, right? Cause, the only, the only thing I can think of, sorry to interrupt, is Medusa, but still, that's not really a fish monster. I mean, mermaids. Yeah. Those are kind of fish monsters. monsters and they eat people. Yeah. Let's I'm still waiting for Ariel to like hit me up in <laughs> 1989. I want to be part of her world, but you know, <laughs> apparently she doesn't want to be part of my world. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Anna Van Loon on YouTube says she is liveth. Yeah. Ooh, she fits yeah. all of those female archetypes. I think of when I think of ancient, literature the sea is kind of representation of chaos and like Aaliyah is pure chaos um and and i just love that bjs came just to end everything just says i'm she is the scariest thing to ever walk in this universe and i just want to be captured by her beauty i just i just love that so much i also love and i can't wait to see how Denis will do this if he gets the chance to do messiah um, just be jazz walking around hate slash Duncan. Oh. Like, I feel like that has to be kind of super creepy. This whole entire chapter has to be kind of creepy and you're really uncomfortable. Like you have to be in Duncan's shoes when they make this and feel what he's feeling, like not sure of what's going on. And it's almost like the rhymes and how be jazz is, stringing the words together. I'm sure Peter Dinklage, if he ever got the opportunity to do these lines would absolutely kill it. Oh yeah. Um, He would be, he would be like stepping out of his like regular kind of role for sure. You know, to, yeah. To hit this Joker esque type. Yeah. He could Um, do it though. He's really good. He (laughs) for sure. And And he's worked with Warner brothers before. It's, it's, I mean, if you're listening at this point, yeah, Denis. I mean, I know we're a couple of years away, but just saying. Just saying. If you're a if you're a producer, you know, happen to listen in. This is our thoughts. Take it or leave it. Um, yeah, this whole chapter, I want you to feel like Duncan and the how the words are set up. You feel stuck in the rhymes, almost in this thing that's happening. I, I yeah, I just think it'd be great. Hate warned Bejaz that to attack Aaliyah is to attack Muhadib. That is so clear. It is difficult to see, Bejaz said. Bejaz. Which is such a Bejaz thing to say. <laughs> That's so Bejaz. Oh, you, you can say something so... In this, The sentence makes sense, but is so counterintuitive. It's like yeah. holding two things in the same hand. Uh, BJS says how the emperor and the sister are one person back to back half male half female um, which is also another symbolism from mythology and hate says that's the exact same thing that Fremen in the deep desert say that's this this myth that's spread about them and all of that is just nonsense BJS only says you dare say nonsense you, who are both man and mask? Ah, 
but the dice cannot read their own spots. I forget this. And you are doubly confused because you serve the Atreides double being. Your senses are not as close to the answer as your mind is. So question for you guys. Yeah. Double being. Do you think he's referencing Maldives slash Paul's heritage at this point? Ooh. Ooh. I picked up. I like where you're going with this. Um, I picked up that it was you were just just talking about Aaliyah and Paul. Yeah. However, what were you going to say? Spoiler for you know a couple pages from now when Hate slash Duncan finds out about the Harkonnen bloodline because that seems like a first revolution, like first time he's heard that ever in his life. Yeah. That Paul has Harkonnen blood. So I agree with you with the Leothin, but going back and really thinking about it, I was like, are you just already hinting at a little shock for a couple of minutes from now when I reveal something even more insane to you that, that I will break you? You know, I mean, because we we go to Duncan's history and with the Harkonnens, so kind of like I'm already planting the seeds to mess with you mentally. And that's what B-Jazz does this whole entire chapter with. Right. I feel like everything he says is like that. Yeah, 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 like for sure. Everything has three meanings. And he's just working his way to what he wants. Hate could feel his own mind being tangled by the dwarf's words. Bejez says, being on Arrakis, here is to live in the shadow of the most dangerous creation the universe has ever seen. Hate questions. Dangerous? Creation? Their own mother refused to live on the same planet with them. Which I thought was pretty funny. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Jessica was like, peace. I want nothing to do with you. Uh, live, let me live my life on the rice patties in Kaladin. Hate is now just getting pissed. As, as I think anybody would dealing with BJS. Demanding BJS answer him straight. Bejaz says that he has answered him and then continues to speak in more riddles. <laughs> and that's the thing. Bejaz doesn't lie. He just says it confusingly. Yeah, he just doesn't make sense. He's very much the Yoda of the Dune universe. Like, right. Hmm, hate, are you? Are you not? Like, yeah. Hate but. says, you, you play a dangerous game with me. Do you think I could not understand these Zen Sunni ideas? You leave tracks as clear as those of a bird in mud. <laughs> oh, BJS no. just giggles. <laughs> Why do you laugh? Hate demanded. Because I have teeth and wish I had not. BJS managed to say between a burst of giggles. Have no teeth. I could not gnash them. <laughs> what do you think, Simon? That one, I'm still like, I had to go back. And when I was reading this chapter a couple of times, I'm like, all right, I know they're going to ask, what do I think of that line? <laughs> Help. I am lost. <laughs> it wouldn't be Dune if some of us weren't lost. Exactly. I, I just think BJ's is so close to fulfilling his like purpose in this. And yeah. he's like, he and hates right on the edge. Yeah. And like, and even when we go back to um, the chapter with, like, the Can You Kill a God chapter, when 
Sightail says to Edric, like, yo, or was it that chip? Whatever. When Sightail says to Edric, like, we need to push hate, have him start questioning. This, Mm -hmm. we need this to start happening right now. And hates even questioning himself and how this all works. And B-Jazz is now sent to, like, put the message in there. And B-Jazz is so close. He's just having fun with this. Right, right. Okay, I had a thought about that line, though. The teeth line. Yeah. So he says, this is a couple paragraphs before. um, Hate says, why don't you answer me straight out? You know we have other ways of questioning you. We'll get our answers one way or another. So like this might this like line feels like his his joker response to like the threat of torture. He's like giggling. He's like, what are you laughing about? He's like, well, I was thinking about if I didn't have teeth when you tortured me, I wouldn't have any teeth to gnash. Like they wouldn't Can't pull them. Yeah. Okay. Which like, like that's freaky that he's giggling about it, you know, just like the scene with the Joker in that movie when he's in the holding cell uh-huh. um, and Batman comes to like, you know, knock him around a little bit. I'm Batman. It's the same, the same vibe, you know, cause he's laughing while he's getting the crap kicked out of him. But yeah, anyway. And this then hate figures it out. And I know who your target, you were aimed at me. Ding, 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 ding. BJ said, and you made such a big target. How could I miss? (laughs) BJ just nods his head to himself. And now I will sing to you. Which is like the worst thing you want to hear from in this situation. Like, oh, now that you figured out, let me sing you a song. With that, BJ began to hum. A whining, monotonous theme repeated over and over. All right, this is like uh, the sleeper cell song, right? I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you, Evan, to give okay. me a hum. All right, give me start humming for me. To give you a, a, yeah, yeah. a hum, uh huh, a monotonous hum, a monotonous hum. Mm-hmm. Hate stiffened, experiencing mm-hmm. odd pains that played up and down his spine. He stared at the face of the dwarf, seeing the youthful <laughs> eyes of an old face. <laughs> oh, was that, like his, was that right? That was beautiful. Okay, I hope I, I hope you could hear me reading over you. <laughs> it's like an audio book. Yeah, <laughs> it was like his eye. So okay, we're sta- uh, hate is just now. The humming is happening. His like body has become transfixed by the music. And he's just staring at the dwarf. And all of a sudden, it's like the eyes are the center of this network with knobby lines that run out. He's just like staring at his face. Hate notices how large of a head B-Jazz has. The sound B-Jazz was making reminds Hate of ancient rituals, folk memories, old words, custom. Something vital was happening here and now. Something was also was was tangled into the dwarf singing. It was like a blazing light in the distance coming nearer and nearer. Hate gasps. What what are you doing to me? Bejes stopped his humming to say, You are an instrument I was taught to play, and I am playing you. Let me tell you the names of other traitors among the naives. 
At this, BJ starts naming off Fremen. The Secretary of Korba, Banerjee's right-hand man. Hate just shook his head from side to side. He Now he found it difficult to talk. Bejaz continues, We are like brothers. We grew up in the same tank. I first, and then you. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think we can do this here. Um, how, Simon, how does that work? How was Bejaz in the tank first, and then Duncan? So what I remember, and it's been a hot minute since I really won back to Messiah and later on, um, cloning process, right? As or am I, am I off? No. Okay. So the Tleilaxu is working to the. I think everybody wants me to do this now. Uh, this is how the Tleilaxu work. Um, is they're they uh, they they work on cloning. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they put. Uh, Duncan Idaho's flesh into the tank and they then regrow it back and all those. So it's the same person, but they can then reprogram the brain to do certain things, but it's still the same flesh. Um, I think the best way to describe it without spending two hours on it is Star Wars. You got a model, you got a clone of Jango Fett, created the clone army. Now Mm -hmm. in Dune, it's, hey, I'm going to cut off this limb we can make another Simon out of this limb pretty yeah. much, but with different implanted memories. Okay. Right. And, uh, be jazz all the Tleilaxu are made like this. Um, so yeah, they shared the same tank. Yeah. It's kind of like the more as like the matrix came out back in the early 2000s, when we see Neo pop out of the tank, my first reaction was like, hmm, I wonder if that's what Frank Herbert was writing about, you know, originally in Dune. But it's one tank. It's one melting pod. It's not like we each have our own pod. That's the way I've also thought about it. I'm a, I might question you on that as we learn later on in stuff in uh, Heretics as we learn more okay. about tanks. Um, because we do know that the Tleilaxu are an all-male uh, group because of what they did to the females. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's many, many years that's, from now. Yeah, that's also true. Um, and how they did that. But yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't know how much I can get into on that. Um, Me so, neither. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Evan's, Evan's like, I have no idea what's happening. Let's I move cannot on. add to this conversation. Right <laughs> nope. now at all. So here's my question for you, since we both read the further books. Do you think Frank had an outline for that at this point? Ooh. Um, Ooh. Probably. I think he had to. He, okay. If I'm going to place myself in Frank's shoes, um, I probably would have built out the Tleilaxu race and like myth build it, like built it out, how it all worked. Um, and there are different philosophies do I know that B-Jazz is a Tleilaxu master? Hmm, I don't know. I think yeah. that's what he is. That's also not confirmed in this book because there are, we we broke it down, I think, at the beginning of Messiah. The Tleilaxu have like three different, it's a, it's a caste system with masters on the top. Um, then you have your golas and your face dancers. And the face dancers are pretty much the slave race to the masters itself. Yeah. Um, and I believe B is a master, which it is seems like, like it. 
but no one knows the masters exist yet. Yeah. Like they've, mm. everyone's only dealt with face dancers and golas. Right. Um, but and I don't want to go into too much spoilers also right, for right, people right. that are yeah. going yeah. on the journey. Yeah. Also, I had this thought just about this chapter and it applies to what we're talking about now. Bjaz speaks on behalf of the Tleilaxu this whole time. Yes. He says we over and over again. And he says like, you know, he talks as if he were some at, in in some way like high level involved with the 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 Tleilaxu. So I would agree with what, what you're saying just from the context of the words you're using. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a great point because he does say like, it's a we, like this is a plan of the Tleilaxu to take down Muhadib and the Empire and right. have they have a whole plan. Um, we're going to see what that plan is as Bijaz makes hate into a human distrans. So the humming just continues. Evan, hit me with some hums. <laughs> Hate's middle eyes inflicted him with a sudden burning pain. Flickering red haze surrounded everything he saw. He felt he had been cut away from every immediate sense except the pain he experienced his surroundings through a sin separation like wind-blown gauze. So, uh, hate is freaking out. He's not, <laughs> yes. He's not. Yeah. He's being programmed at this point, and there's something underneath there tapping into it. He sees the world like just a, it's a thin sheet over it. Desperate for clarity, um, hate broke through the gauze curtain with a lonely sense of sight. His attention was completely focused on the dwarf in front of him. Hate felt the stare pierce through layers of the dwarf, seeing a little man as a hired intellect. And beneath that, a creature imprisoned by hungers and cravings, which lay under layers and layers, or you could say clones of layers and clones of layers, until finally there is only an entity being manipulated by symbols. So he's just seeing the code which is kind of being implanted in him. Hade freed his voice, saying, You cannot force me to slay Muhadib. Bijaz only said, You believe the silly emperor was the prize we sought. How little you understand our masters, the Tleilaxu. The guild and the Bene Gesserit believe we produce artifacts. In reality, we produce tools. Anything can be a tool. Poverty? War? War is a... War is useful because it effectively uses so many areas. It enforces government. It diffuses genetic strains. It possesses a vitality of nothing else in the universe. Only those who recognize the value of war and exercise it have a degree of self-determination. So B-Jazz is doing his uh, villain monologue <laughs> here. Well, you know what? It's pretty uh, brave, brave of Frank writing that, especially when this came out. What was going on in the world? Continue. I mean, what was the release date of Messiah? I'm trying to like, look at... Seven, pulling, up, uh, pulling up the Google. 69. 69. Copyright 69 in this book. So when you think about what's going on in especially U.S. politics with Vietnam and all that, mm. Frank, you know, let's face it, Dune is very political. And B-Jazz kind of hinting like, hey, even war can control politics and 
governments. That's what I got from it. But maybe <laughs> that's just my crazy, you know. I mean, mind. we yeah, war, and uh, you even look at this at um, of like just economically, like America's used war several times to get out of um, yeah. recessions and depressions, right? It's an economic machine because you have to produce things to get things over there and everything else. And, and how you use war effectively really has been um, how governments have been formed, right? We can go back to Genghis Khan. We mm-hmm. can go back to, we can just keep going back the Romans itself um, yeah. and how they used it. Did Paul use war in this effect? That's my question. I, I think so. I mean, when you think about the jihad that he created, he did bring a new luxury to Arrakis, you can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that's a whole different topic for a whole different time. <laughs> right. Right. I'm like, maybe Paul used it for that sense, but who was who else was using Paul's wars for their own agenda? Bingo. Exactly. That's a big question there. You know, everyone capitalizes off of it, you know, and I love one of the lines later when uh, BJ mentions Chone, like his Chone prophets. Right. I'm like, yep, big business right there. Yeah. Right. Hate tried to regain his composure. Strange thoughts coming from you. You are trying to awaken violence in me. BJ just shakes his head. No. Awaken? Yes. Violence? No. You are a disciple of awareness by training. So have said. So you have said, I have an awareness to awaken in you, Duncan Idaho. <laughs> hate just screamed back his own name. I'm hate. Duncan Idaho. Killer extraordinaire, lover of many women, swordsman, soldier, Atreides field hand. You are Duncan Idaho. The past, it cannot be awakened. Cannot? It's never been done. True. But our masters defy the idea that something cannot be done. Always they seek the proper tool, the right application of effort. The Goa just says that Bejaz is hiding his real purpose. So Bejaz doubles down. There is a Duncan Idaho in you. It will submit to emotion or to dispassionate examination, but submit it will. This awareness will rise through a screen of suppression. It goads you even now while it holds you back. There exists that being within you upon which awareness must focus and which you will obey. Hate fights back. The Tylax who think I'm still their slave. Quiet, slave, Bejaz says in a whining voice. Hate found himself silenced, frozen. Hate says they're almost there. There's almost enough leverage to flip the switch. Hate could feel the sweat pouring out of him, running down his face, but he was stuck. He couldn't move. Bejaz then gives the plan. One day, the emperor will come to Hate and say, she is gone. He will give water to the dead. And Hate will say, master, oh master. Hate's jawline now is tightened. His throat ached. You will carry a message from Bejaz. Hmm, 
Poor B-Jazz, who has no mind. Poor B-Jazz, a drum stuffed with messages, an essence for others to use. Pound on B-Jazz, and he produces a noise. Evan, I saw your hand was up. Yes. Okay. 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 We were talking about B-Jazz being a master play laxu. But then, like, yeah. r- since since we talked about that, he has said, our masters, the Tleilaxu. Yeah. And then, yeah. in this in this last paragraph, says, poor B-Jazz, who has no mind. Poor B-Jazz, a drum stuffed with messages, an essence for others to use. Like, he's... And now I'm starting to think, like, maybe B-Jazz is just, like, a vessel or, like, a spokesperson on behalf of... Like the Tleilaxu head honcho people, because he's like speaking as if he were them, but also he's like talking about how he's basically just a thing full of messages, a thing full of words that come out however they come out. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it it could be B Jazz just being like, oh, poor B Jazz. No one loves me. No one cares about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably mess with Duncan even more. I'm going to use both of your points because I like them both. We talk about Tleilaxu cloning, right? How often would you like to like, you know, there's a job to be done and know you can do it, but you know, you're probably going to die doing it. You might as well just make a clone of yourself and send you. Oh, okay. Okay. And like, I mean, yeah, they're expendable flesh. You program with them what you want to do. And then, yeah, here you go. Get it done. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. That's just an idea I had. I, there's no backing to that. People are going to be raging mad in, in, on the, in the comments. <laughs> in the comments or email us. Email us all your angry comments at readingdune at gmail.com. I'd love to we hear We will them. absorb your hate. <laughs> he, B-Jazz is real. He's not a clone. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a master. What are you saying? It's so obvious. Can't you see it? That's no, okay. Obviously not. Second paragraph, page 422. (laughs) Frank Roy right there. (laughs) Like a crossword puzzle. If you like select certain letters, there's a hidden message there. Oh, yeah, huh? That's exactly it. I don't know. Sometimes I don't even know if Frank knows. To Simon's point, does Frank have this all planned out? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Look, it was the 60s, man. It was the (laughs) 60s in Washington slash Oregon. Yeah, we don't know what's happening. It, it, he, it's amazing. He had a really big success on his hands. He had to come up with a sequel. He just threw things together. I mean, yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> I don't. BJ just grimaces. You think me a hypocrite, Duncan Idaho? I am not. I can grieve too. But time has come to substitute sword for words. A hiccup. Shook, shook hate. <gasps> BJ just giggled. <laughs> Ah, thank you, Duncan. Thank you. The demand of the body save us. As the emperor carries the blood of the Harkonnens in his veins, he will do as we demand. Hate just blinks. What did Bejes mean? Harkonnen blood? In the Atreides? Bejes continues his monologue, saying how Duncan would find it hard to not slay a Harkonnen. Like, that's like in his nature. That's what he was originally programmed for. I mean, trained from birth, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah, he was trained to be this assassin soldier to kill Harkonnens and Sardaukar and 
whoever else needed to be killed, and that's their mortal enemies. And even Paul doesn't know he's a Harkonnen until after Duncan dies. Yeah. So there's this gap there. Bitter rage and frustration coursed through the Goa, but he didn't know why. Bejaz then realized more of the message hate is supposed to deliver. All right. So the Tylaxu can restore Paul Atreides' beloved by making Chani a Goa after she dies. This Goa will bear bear Paul's children. It will love only him. The Tylaxu can even improve on the original if Paul sows desires. I don't know what that would mean, but they can do that. And when Paul is tempted and lost in thought, that is the moment the hate has to strike. But because the Tylaxu masters demand two Golas, not one. So what two Golas do they demand? Well, I think it's Duncan and Chani, obviously, that they demand to take Paul out. Because if you got Duncan, I've always read and always imagined as Paul's best best friend, you know, right. and Shawnee is Paul's love of his life. You know, Erlon's just whatever. Right. Um, yeah, she's pretty. Thank you, Francis Pugh. Uh, but I feel like if you gather the two most important people in his life currently, you know, Leto was one of those people, but sadly Leto is gone and, you know, he's just ashes now. And Jessica's off being like, screw this, I'm done. I think Duncan and Chani are more important even than Aaliyah to Paul. Those are what makes Paul. Yeah. And if they gather against him, then they can easily defeat Paul. Did you read it? This is interesting. Did you read that as, and I may, may okay. This, that's the moment that hates to strike. Is hate supposed to kill Paul? Or is hate I just think... supposed Go ahead. I think I he's know. just supposed to he's just supposed to offer the Chani Gola. Okay. At yeah, right. no point did he say like, and now you all strike. You know, like it was literally just like when he says when he says this, then now he's continuing it like Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I think it's just Johnny. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think Johnny dies at that point, and Pate Duncan's like, "My, my lord, there's something we can do. We can, we can rebuild her. We can make her better." You know, I think that's what he's supposed to do. Not attack Paul physically. Okay. I think attack Paul mentally. Hmm. Right. And what Hate has done through this whole book has been the great Tleilaxu salesman. And always said the Tleilaxu could do that. The Tleilaxu could do that. So that right. would be on brand. Okay. Hate says he won't do it. But Bejaz said, but Duncan Idaho would. It will be a moment of most vulnerability for this descent of the Harkonnens. Duncan is to offer asylum as you move close to Paul. You're supposed to give him a planet of choice somewhere beyond the Imperium. Think of it. He has his beloved restored. No need for tears. He can go live out his life. The only price he has to pay is to denounce his godhead, discredit himself and his sister and the Quizzerat, and naturally replenish, uh, give up relinquish. his chome holdings. Yeah, cool. relinquish his chome holdings. Just disappear. 
Yeah. And if Duncan is still not close enough to strike, then he's to tell Paul how much the Tylaxu admire him and taught them the possibilities of religion and religious engineering. See, I when I read that, and I could definitely be wrong, I'm probably wrong, but I do feel, all right, so that's the programming in him, and the Duncan Idaho's supposed to come out, and Duncan Idaho's supposed to kill Harkonnens, and he's supposed to line them up and get Paul to, like, uh, like go into this a little bit? Is he supposed to, like, strike him there? But I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It could go so many ways. Here about like, there's, there's something I just thought of as you were speaking. So, if Chani dies, and this might be a spoiler, well, we've been forecasting she's going to die the whole book, pretty much. Right, and the kids are born. Aren't the kids technically still Harkonnens down the line? They have oh. Harkonnen blood in them. So why won't they try taking out the kids also? That mm. makes a lot. That makes more sense. You know, I was just thinking, okay, so you kill Paul. Cool. Harkonnen line stops. You still have his sister around. And, you know, maybe they have a plan for her. But the kids are Harkonnen. They're still like, I want to say maybe a quarter yeah. Conan at that point? Yeah. Okay. Well, also, they said that the Gola Chani would bear his children, right? Right. Yes. Well, it could be later children. Right, right, right. So On I'm thinking some other like, world. Yeah, I'm thinking like maybe those Gola children would have some way of being controlled by, by the Tleilax or something like that. I don't know. Mm, so also what, a she thing. program to have I hate saying artificial kids, but right, right, right. But with the Tlaxu, right? You never know. What does that What does that look like when a Gola gives birth to a child? Like, how does that work? You know, we don't know. Right. So BJ says that that Duncan has to tell Paul that he needs to make a decision quickly, which is of course the worst and a great salesman tactic. You need to make a choice right now because they must get Chani's flesh into a cryological tank. Right. So as soon as she says, as soon as Paul says to hate, she is dead. This is supposed to happen. Hate found himself floundering, caught in a matrix of objects he could not recognize. The dwarf seemed so sure of himself. BJS smiled and then said, Now you will forget. When the moment comes, you will remember. When he says she is gone. That is when Duncan Idaho will awaken then. The dwarf clapped his hands and hate grunted, feeling like he'd been interrupted in the middle of a thought, or perhaps in the middle of a sentence. What was it? Something about targets? He yelled at the dwarf. You think to confuse me and manipulate me? Bejaz just asked. How is that? I'm your target. You can't deny it. I would not think of denying it. What is it you try to do with me? A kindness. A simple kindness, BJS says. So we, he just he just jumped all the way back to that. The beginning of the conversation where they were talking about who the target is. Yeah. So that and that ends the chapter. The the plan has been set in the Goa by BJS. 
who has went the long way round to get this to happen. Mm-hmm. We are now in like, oh, we're close to the final act here on what's happening next. Uh, we have another Duncan chapter. See what he's going to do next, next week. Thank you, yeah. Simon, for joining us. Did you guys yeah, have any no final problem. thoughts on this chapter? I had one. I had one thought that I didn't yeah. talk about while we were while we were reading the whole thing that Bjaz does with hate slash Duncan feels like the scene in Civil War where the uh, Sokovian guy wakes up Bucky. Uh, well, wakes up the Winter Soldier. Right, 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 right. Like reading the words, I feel like the humming was that that same thing. Where he just like started like really messing with him, and then he was able to implant the message, and then he turned it back off. You know, like that was that was the movie reference in my brain for that yeah. for that moment. It's like you know, it's weird. Freight train. Bucky, yeah. Bucky is my favorite Marvel character, and I never nice. thought about that. And Duncan is my favorite Dune character. I think you got a theme happening there, Simon. You're welcome. And I I'm, and I love clones in Star Wars, so. <laughs> I don't know. Well, at least you're predicting. Simon <laughs> secretly is a sleeper agent for some intelligence uh, organization. He doesn't even know it. Waiting to be awake on podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure. Love what you guys are doing. People, support them. Go cup. Go shirt. Get something. Yo, thank you, and uh, stay spicy, my friends. We'll see you in the next chapter. Peace. Peace.